I'm Ray Johnston and welcome to your monthly Indigenous STEM special for Take It Black, where you can stay up to date with all the latest happenings in science, technology, engineering and maths. It's also a place where we look at the intersection of traditional knowledge and modern science and speak to people working in this space to find out what they're up to. First, here's some tech news from November 2020. TikTok is working hard to make the platform more accessible, most recently getting feedback from epilepsy advocates. There's already a warning that pops up for creators when they make a video that contains photosensitive content. But in the coming weeks, TikTok will be launching a new feature to protect viewers from photosensitive content. When you come across a video that is photosensitive, you can receive a notification inviting you to skip it and all other videos like it. Take it black. Heading over to Twitter, the micro-blogging platform, remember when we used to call it that, it sent me over a list of the top five Indigenous accounts during this year's hashtag NADOC 2020 week. At Indigenous X, Celeste Little at Utopiana, non-compliant native at Dr C Bond, that's Dr Chelsea Bond, of course, Amy Maguire at Amy Maguire and... Nessa Turnbull Roberts at Turnbull Vanessa made up the top five. If you're on Twitter and you're not following them, you know what to do. Opportunities for STEM learning in one remote community are about to get a lot better. The first Australian Dell Solar Lab will be rolled out in 2021, providing access to computers and the internet to students without reliable access to technology. The location of the first solar lab is still to be determined, with Indigenous communities in Queensland, Western Australia and the Northern Territory currently under consideration. Take it black. Acclaimed actor Uncle Jack Charles teamed up with mental health not-for-profit Smiling Mind, creating a guided meditation to help us all learn self-compassion. I spoke with Smiling Mind CEO Dr Addie Wooten about the meditation, about how technology can support our mental health and what exactly it can be good for. Take it black. I'd love for you to start by telling me about your involvement with Smiling Mind. Yeah, I'm, uh, my name's Addie Wooten. I'm the CEO of Smiling Mind. So I've been running the organisation for the last five years. Fantastic. And what, what inspired you to be a part of it, to, to run the organisation? Well, I'm a clinical psychologist by background. Uh, and for me, mindfulness is such a powerful tool. I could see it uh, benefiting lots of people when I was working one-on-one with people. Um, and the opportunity to join um, technology and mindfulness together and to make mindfulness uh, accessible to as many people as possible was really exciting. So um, I'm very lucky to be able to work in an organisation where we're talking about mental health in a proactive and positive way and hopefully uh, connecting people to ideas that they can test out in their everyday life to help them build their well-being and to look after their mental health. 
Wonderful. So what what exactly is proactive <clears throat> mental health and why is it important? It's a great question. So um, when we talk about mental health, a lot of people think about uh, the illnesses that we can experience, that many of us experience. So uh, what comes to mind might be a thought about anxiety or depression or stress, um, which is really natural because that's the way and the language that we, we're used to, to talking about mental health. Thinking about mental health in a slightly different way enables us to think about all of the things that we can do to positively look after our mental health and well-being. So similar uh, to our physical health, we can actually put in place uh, practices and strategies uh, into our everyday life that really help support good mental health. And so that means potentially thinking about our mental health in the same way that we do our physical health. And allowing time uh, to do things that look after our mental health. That might be talking to somebody. It might be connecting with people. It might be paying attention to where our mind goes and thinking about how we try and stay uh, in the present moment. And mindfulness certainly plays a role there. So how do we learn to stay focused on the present moment and not let our thoughts get carried away? Uh, and in that way, we're sort of training our mind to stay uh focus on things that we have control over that we can hopefully enjoy and cherish. Uh, and that teaches us skills that protect our mental health or that look after our mental health. And how can technology help with this? So technology is, is an amazing asset. Um, so we know we're all connected and probably this year is a, a perfect example of how we can use technology in lots of different ways. Uh, technology enables us to connect with ideas that we might not have uh, had before. So, um, you know, we can we can connect with with professionals. We can use apps or different uh, programs that give us access to new ideas to learn and 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 build our knowledge. Um, and it's also an amazing tool because it can help us create habits. So, using technology to help us form healthy positive habits around our mental health um, is really at the place that we like to play because we've got that phone in our pocket. We know we can use it for lots of different reasons, but if we can use it for good and harness the power of technology, then hopefully that will support our mental health. And Uncle Jack Charles has recorded a meditation I had the, the joy of listening to and, and also the pleasure of speaking to him about it recently. And he got to talk to me about how important it was for him to be able to contribute to a resource that you know, can help people that are really struggling and, and really having a bad time and feel like there's no way out. You know, why was it important for you to get someone like Uncle Jack on board to connect with different kinds of people? Yeah, it's a, he he has been able to provide something really beautiful, hasn't he? He his voice transports you to another place. And I think for us it's about acknowledging the amazing culture or cultures that we have in Australia and celebrating that diversity. Um and to listen to Uncle Jack Charles talking about self compassion in a way that you know, really connects with his own history, his experience. Uh, and sharing that wisdom with other people through technology was really exciting for us. Um, I think it, it, for us at Smiling Mind, we want to provide uh, as many different opportunities we, we can to connect with as many different people as possible. You know, we all have 
challenges in our lives and we will all go through really difficult times and, and being able to hear other people's stories around that and how they use mindfulness to support their own well-being can connect in different ways to different people. So it was really important for us to work with Uncle Jack Charles and create a, you know, a beautiful meditation practice that anyone can listen to anywhere in the country or indeed the world if they wanted to. If there's anyone reading this or watching this or listening to this that is feeling a little bit apprehensive about you know, meditation, doesn't really think it's quite for them, what advice would you give them? Oh, it's a common response. Some people are, have misconceptions about what meditation is. Uh, I think the place to start is that meditation doesn't need to be anything other than focusing your attention. Uh, so it, it doesn't have to have uh, a, a spiritual or a religious context. It's simply learning how to practice focusing your attention on one thing and and allowing your mind to, to settle and calm and hopefully for your body to do the same. Um, it, it really is a practice of tuning into the present moment. You know, we, we all get very busy and caught up in lots of different things uh, and allowing ourselves a bit of mind space or a brain break uh, through a meditation practice can can actually be a really uh, powerful tool to manage our stress and our worries. Uh, so uh, I would encourage people to give it a go, especially this one, because it's such a uh, unique voice. His story is really beautiful. And he's talking about a really powerful process of self-compassion. So actually tuning into, you know, what do you need right now? How do you give yourself a little bit of care and compassion? How do you turn towards yourself, especially given the year that we've just had? For more of the latest tech news, tune in to NITV Radio at 1.30pm on Wednesdays. Always Always Dark matter, a mysterious, invisible substance, is a key ingredient in helping galaxies form and stay alive. It creates the strong gravity needed to spark galaxy formation and keep existing galaxies structurally intact. But astronomers have been puzzled since last year's discovery of, stick with me here, NGC 1052 DF4. That's the name of a stable and long lived galaxy with almost no dark matter. How can the galaxy exist without this important ingredient? Are our theories about galaxy formation wrong? An international study led by the University of New South Wales, Sydney, suggests the dark matter was there to begin with. It's just been stolen. The dark matter isn't there because it's been removed. The researchers found that the gravitational pull from the nearby massive galaxy, here we go again, NGC 1035, its name is, it's removing the stars and dark matter from that original galaxy. And when the two galaxies are passing close to each other, they suffer from each other's gravitational pull. The researchers found faint stars being pulled away by that larger galaxy, an interaction that is called tidal disruption. 
The same phenomenon can be found here on Earth. In our case, the moon's gravitational pull influences the Earth's ocean tides. But tidal disruption can cause galaxies, which aren't as solid as the Earth or the moon, to bend and lose their shape. If the tidal disruption theory is correct, the smaller galaxy, that's NGC 1052-DF4, it will soon start to show more signs of deterioration. It could eventually disintegrate entirely. Tidal stripping would remove a significant percentage of dark matter before affecting the stars. So if the stars are starting to be disrupted now, most of the dark matter has already escaped. With time, the galaxy will end up being cannibalised by that large system around it, with at least some of their stars free-floating in deep space. Always My guest this episode is Camilla Man Corey Tutt. Corey is the founder of Deadly Science, an initiative that provides science books and early reading material to remote schools in Australia. But I'll let him tell you more about it. Take it black. Hey, Corey, how are you going? Thanks for joining me. Hey, Ray. Um, very glad to be here. So we do start every interview on Take It Black STEM the same way, and that is, who's your mob? Where are you from? Um, I'm Camilla Mob, and my mob are Warfords from Walgut, and um, yeah, I, that, that's my mob. <laughs> nice. So have you always been into the, the geekier side of life? Uh, no, I was probably one of these uh, children that were very naughty, that was picking up snakes and lizards and spiders, and I was kind of always into a bit of mischief and um, I was always fascinated by, you know, things I couldn't quite understand. So what got you started on the science path? Um, it was primarily my childhood. Um, I didn't have a lot growing up because um, I was pretty much raised by my mother and sister and moved around a lot and we didn't have a lot of toys or anything like that. So we ended up, um, most of our childhood was spent outside picking up lizards and snakes and you know, having pet possums and um, magpies and whatnot. So that was kind of my fascination. And it was, it was sort of, um, you know, I fell in love with animals. And then once I fell in love with animals, I fell in love with, you know, environments and all different sorts. When did you know that it could, you know, contribute to something that you could do as a job? When, when did you know that your love of these animals could you know, be your career? Well, I was out, um, a lot of the time I was out, well, I was meant to be at school, sort of picking up lizards and snakes, so I never really grew out of it, and I wanted to be a zookeeper, and for a matter of fact, I sat across my careers advisor at 16, and he said to me, you've got three options, kids like you don't have, you know, the brains to be a zookeeper, because you need a zoology degree, there's no money in it, um, you know, you're just not going to make it. Um, you should stick to a trade or I'm worried you'll probably end up in prison or dead. Um, and I just sort of went, you know what, like I was always pretty bad at thumbing my nose up at people. When, if I didn't agree with um, someone's opinion, I would kind of just do my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I did that. I went to, I left school after the school certificate and I went to Western Australia, a place called Boy Up Brook, which I'm sure most of you have never heard of, but um, just to give you context, it's five and a half hours drive from Perth. 
and I was 16 and I started working in a wireless sanctuary and it probably wasn't long after that that I worked out that I probably needed to head home um, after a few few months there and I ended up um, working at Shoalhaven Zoo which is um, down the south coast in Ewan country and I worked down there and um, you know it wasn't really until you know I, like I talk about this thing called passion and purpose and I think you know it doesn't matter what colour you are where you come from everyone needs that passion and purpose and you know for me my purpose was working with animals but then um, something happened along the way where I needed to sort of change directions um, and that is kind of what happened. So tell me about deadly science. You know, what, what is deadly science in a nutshell? What do, what do you do? Firstly, it's deadly. And, uh, <laughs> but deadly science, so, you know, it all stems back pretty much the whole idea to that, you know, that kid sitting across from the teacher saying, you know, you can't do zookeeping. You can't do science. You're not smart enough. Um, and that, you know, and I realised really, like, so I remembered back to when I was a kid and, you know, the books I was given as a kid were actually from my pop, who was illiterate. He couldn't read, but he used to give me books because he knew that it was important that I learned how to read um, and I, I valued education. And my first book was Reptiles in Colour by Harold Cogger. And I remember just all the pages of that book, I would open them up and, you know, I remember that, that great feeling we've all had when you've opened up a book and you've you've got something you're really interested in and you're hooked into it and, you you know, you're getting all this enjoyment out of knowledge. And, you know, I really just... I remember that the only experiences I had were from my pop. It wasn't from anyone else around me. And I thought that, you know, I would go and volunteer and talk to some teenagers in Redfern and, you know, do the whole stereotypical, don't do drugs, don't do bad things. But then those those things just turned into science. And I found that, you know, mobs everywhere and especially in Sydney just had this love of science and the barriers that we put on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids were systematic. Um, you know, art and sport are the only things you're good at. And look, they're great things. I love my sport. I love my art, but I love science more. And, you know, we'll chat to these kids and I was just figuring it out and sort of, you know, like young people make mistakes and young people aren't perfect. But the thing is, is that young people have such inquisitive minds and they make the best scientists. And I was kind of like, when I was talking to these kids, I was like, I've got to do more. And how I did more is what every weirdo does. And I got on Google and I started ringing schools, started ringing mobs, started ringing everyone that I, I literally probably made about 200 phone calls um, when I made that idea of, um, you know, I wanted to get in touch with remote schools and I wanted to just make sure that these kids had the books that I had, you know, had the, the reptiles in colour by Harold Cogger, even if it's, you know, old, I wanted them to, to be able to find that that passion and then hopefully, um, with fingers crossed, it leads to that purpose. It sounds like you got from books what you should have gotten from the education system, that that inspiration and, and that excitement and, you know, that, yeah, that, that path for the future. How important do you think formal education is in science? Is it the only way to go? Not necessarily. Um, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing for me was, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I make mistakes and... 
you know, I, I have done throughout my life, and I think we'll continue to make mistakes. Um, and the pressure we put on young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander academics, for me, is just, it, it is kind of racist because, you know, it, there's this expectation of us to be really poor at everything and, you know, be disadvantaged. And that, that's, not, that's not the case. Um, actually, our kids, the gap isn't in their knowledge, it's actually in resources. You know, we have kids that are bilingual that are, speak, you know, speaking three or four different languages. And if you could find a kid in the city that is white, that can speak three or four different languages, you'd call them a genius. Um, and, you know, I just think that, you know, we just need to give people a fair go. And, you know, there's, there's an old saying, which is different strokes for different folks. And that's the same with the education system. If we try and fit everyone into this one little bracket, then there's going to be kids that fall out of the system and they get disenfranchised with the education system. And I think that how we change that is by providing the opportunities to our First Nations kids and kids everywhere, really, to excel. And that you do that by getting them to find that passion. So who do you work with on Deadly Science? Is it just yourself? It's mostly just me. Um, I've I've kind of invited some more mob in to help out along the way. Um, you've done a bit for us, Ray, as well. Um, you know, and it's just been, you know, like I get a lot of the credit for Deadly Science, but really it's, it's the people that donate to us. It's the people that support us. It's the people that wear the shirts. It's the kids. The kids love the science. You know, for a matter of fact, um, you know, we've boosted attendance and peer Wajari community by 40%. Um, and it's purely just a love of science and learning. Um, and I think that that's only possible because it takes, it takes a band. You know, it takes multiple people, thousands of people to actually enact change. And so, you know, although I get a lot of the credit for finding, founding this um, not-for-profit, it is really the supporters and the blackfellas that we've got in in our team that are driving this um, and, you know, driving this change because we all know we were the first scientists. Sure were. Now, you talked a little bit about getting the credit. (laughs) You are very highly awarded. You've won a list of awards and been nominated for a list of awards that are too long for me to read out right now. What does that kind of recognition mean? Is it important? You know, does does it does it matter? What what does it mean to you? Um, I, I don't see these things as awards. I think they're they're responsibility, and they're responsibility to the next generation. So that you know, when they look up to someone, they can look up to me and see that I did you know some pretty good things in my life, and that that's really great. But they are just they're more validation for the work that I do, which is it's great because it. You know, if we need to change the system, we need to kind of work with it a little bit and blow it up from the inside. Um, <laughs> and and I think, you know, again, the, these awards are, again, responsibility. They're a responsibility to me to make sure that, you know, I really look after the, the kids that I work with and the people I work with um, because, you know, if I don't do that and I get a bit, a bit too big of a head or, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, if I forget the the reasons why I started this and and I go too far away from that, then those were, those awards are worth nothing, in my opinion. What's coming up for Deadly Science? Is there anything new on the horizon that you can let us know about? 
Oh, yeah. Um, we're about to launch the most epic, deadliest website in history. Yes. Um, we are going to have a video conferencing system for schools so they can um, chat and yarn with scientists from all over the world. That's incredible. Um, we also got a platform where schools and teachers and community members can exchange lesson plans. Um, and, you know, like I want to one day make this a thing so, like, we're teaching kids in language as well. So I, I would love to one day, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe I'll save a few dollary dues. <laughs> um, I won't buy that cappuccino um, every day. But um, Stay off the avocado. Know, stay off the avocado. <laughs> but I, I would love to get a translate into languages. And so, like, people in La Perouse or, um, you know, Redfern or, you know, Camilla Road Country or who, wherever you're listening from, um, whatever country, whatever mob you're from, will be able to download lesson plans in language. And that that's my dream. Um, and this is going to open up for remote schools resources that they simply have not had. Um, and, you know, there's no, there's no one to blame for that. It's just a matter of it's, it's happened, we've got to change it. And we start, we start today to make tomorrow better. What needs to happen for that dream to happen? What do you, what do you need? I need to, we just, what we really need is we need, again, just as many people behind Deadly Science and, you know, companies like Indigitech as well, Indigitech, they're, they're changing the game. They're really deadly blackfellas that, you know, we need to support companies like that and organisations like um, them and Deadly Science and, um, you know, our academics as well that are kicking butt in the science world. We just need to get behind them. Um, and this is what needs to change is that you can't be we can't see. So if we allow our kids to see these amazing people and take a little bit from them, and then all of a sudden that they shoot off and they become their own deadly scientist or deadly mathematician or the next Ray Johnson. Um, <laughs> Stop it. <you> know, <laughs> to me, to me that, that is enacting change. Um, you know, being an AFL footy player is really deadly. Being an NRL player has been really deadly. Being a cool artist has been deadly, but there's nothing better than being a deadly scientist. I've got to agree with you on that one. So how can people get involved, lend a hand, spread the word? What, what would you like them to do? Um, jump on the socials, jump on our website, um, give us a few dollar dues, make our website a reality. Um, it's nearly built, but, um, you know, just get on board and just follow us. And, you know, when you are part of Deadly Science, you are part of the Deadly Science family. And, you know, and Ray, you can attest to this, You've been part of our family for a few years now and, like, you know, you, we, you never sort of are let go by deadly science. You know, we've always got your back. I can attest to that, absolutely. And before we wrap up, do you have any advice for the young mob out there that might be listening, you know, wanting to maybe do what you do and help spread the word of science? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I would encourage anyone to find their, their passion and their purpose and, you know, and for young people out there, look, the, uh, the road is not straight for everyone. Sometimes you have twists and turns. You have, you know, you have things that are going to make you upset. There's things that you're going to do wrong. Don't be, be brave, be courageous. And, you know, be brave, be courageous, find that passion and purpose and do what you got to do. Um, because whatever you do is the right decision for you. Thanks for joining us, Corey. Really appreciate it.
Thanks for having me, Ray. No worries. See you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. See you. Bye. Take it flat. That was Corey Tutt from Deadly Science, who you can find at deadlyscience.org.au or all over social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Give us a rating, share it with your friends, subscribe. And if there's anything STEM related you'd like to know more about, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn, if you must, at Ray Johnston. And I'll give you all the info in the next STEM episode. I'll also have a Christmas gift guide up on my Instagram soon full of my favourite tried and tested tech products from 2020. Until then don't forget to take it black. Always love, always love